that you should remind one another, that you should counsel one another, admonish and advise one another. For indeed, such reminding and advising and counseling brings great benefit to the believers. So tonight I wanted to remind all of us and to remind myself first and foremost about one of the great aspects of this tradition of the Sowuf that unfortunately has become almost altogether absent in the contemporary day. And that is that historically, the people of the Sowuf, in addition to being people of Taqwa, being people of Sunnah, being Ahl-Zikri, being people of Zikr, remembrance of Allah Taala. They also had another incredible role. Even in addition to them being people of Dawa, the people who had converted literally millions of human beings to the deen of Islam, yet still they had another role, and that was their role in kindness and charity. And it was really the Ahmed who used to walk this earth and yes, no doubt, inspire the hearts of believers and refresh their iman. No doubt, inspire the hearts of non-believers and make them accept iman. But they were also the people who used to comfort the brokenhearted, who were gentle to the weak and needy, who used to console the poor, who used to be lenient with others, who were a walking, living spread of kindness and charity on this earth. Now, probably why most of us on this path of Tazkiyah aren't able to do this is because we're still so stuck in doing our own Islah, trying to leave our sins, trying to get to that level of taqwa and sunnah and zikr. And I think people don't realize how much this Ummah has suffered by not having so many awliyaullah left in this ummah. And our ummah was an ummah based this earth with our presence. And now we have just become an ummah of Allah Amanu, an ummah of bare minimum believers, an ummah of struggling, sinning believers, and therefore that grace and graciousness that this ummah used to bring to all of humanity is no longer there. And because this is one of the great legacies of the awliya, and indeed the great legacy and sifat and khulq and attribute of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that he was known for this even before 
He received the first revelation on that night in the cave of Mount Hira. He was known for his kindness and his gentleness and his compassion and his mercy for others. Now, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu and the reason I mention this is because we live in a time when the Muslim Ummah is facing a lot of difficulties, whether it's in Syria or in the Central African Republic or in Burma or in many other parts of the world. And on top of that, even if there are areas which are not conflict-ridden, but there is still poverty-ridden, such as the slums, where many hundreds of thousands of Muslims live in India or Pakistan or Yemen or Somalia. So whether we are conflict-ridden or poverty-stricken, there is an incredible need for this branch of the souls to also be revived, which was the humanitarian, which was the noble, which was the benevolent, kind, charitable aspect of the souls. And recently, there was a delegation of ulama from Turkey who came to visit Pakistan along with, as part of a broader, larger government delegation. And naturally, the bureaucrats, but the bureaucrats and the parliamentarians that came from Turkey met the parliamentarians here. And the ulama from Turkey, alhamdulillah, they sought out the ulama of Pakistan and especially in Karachi, they met many ulama. It was very interesting. I was reading an interview with one of those ulama, and he said something that inspired me to speak on this topic tonight. And that was that he first said a lot of glowing with the different madaras that he visited in Karachi, such as Dalum and other places. And he said that we had always heard wonderful things about the subcontinental system of Madaris, and we had, had come with high expectations, and what we had seen has even surpassed our expectations in terms of your academics and in terms of your administration, etc. It just felt to me, it appeared to me, that this was the part where he was speaking from his heart. And he said that, however, I was amazed that even though you have such incredible institutions, when I was driving through or being driven through the rest of Karachi, I was struck by the level of poverty and the level of dismay and sadness in the people of that city. And I'm left wondering why these wonderful Madaras have not been able to affect the people in the city. And he said that, in, so I would ask the ulama of Pakistan that in addition to, mashallah, the wonderful job that you were doing in running these, you know, very well-run, highly qualified academic institutions of Islamic learning, that you have to give back to society and you should try to relieve poverty and you should have empathy and kindness for the people. Of course, he wasn't saying it as a critique, and I'm sure many ulama in Karachi or Pakistan or elsewhere do that. But what I felt when reading it is that the interview, the, the alim, Turkish alim being interviewed was definitely sensing something 
real, a real gap. He was perceiving a void. But that void isn't a void that can be filled by That actually was a void that has been left and created by the absence of awliya and wilaya. Because it was the awliya Allah who had that kindness and charity. And this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah, he taught us that the best of deeds, and there are many hadith that begin with this phrase, but the best of deeds are to love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to dislike for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another hadith Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Man ahabba lillah wa abghadu lillah wa ata'a lillah wa mana'a lillah fakadis takman al-iman. That when a person loves for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and dislikes for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they grant and give and share for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they refrain and withhold for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then that person's iman has become perfect and complete has become perfect and complete now what it means is that these awliyaullah they loved all believers and they loved humanity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they disliked sin, but they love the sinner. They dislike poverty, but they love the poor. They disliked oppression, but they love the oppressed. And they brought that love for the sinner, and the love for the poor, and the love for the needy, and the love for the oppressed. And they brought that emotion of love into society. And one reason as an ummah why we have become such an unfeeling, callous society, ummah, is because we don't have that feeling of love and empathy. The same Rasulullah he wanted when he told us that the Ummah is like one body. And what did it mean? The Bhagavan explained that when one part of it feels any pain, any hurt, then the rest of it feels that pain and hurt. Now these ahadith have only been hijacked by people for empty sloganeering and riling up masses and trying to stoke people into taking emotional and rash decisions. This is also incorrect. The real inheritors of this hadith were the awliyaullah. For example, you know, I feel that myself and many of the people in Tasawwuf would benefit tremendously if we were to spend a few days or even a few weeks or even a few months or even an entire year working with the Syrian refugee camp in Turkey, and that would have such a deeper impact on our life and maybe our understanding of dunya. And a lot of us, especially those who are middle class and upper middle class and upper class, we engage in a very sort of relaxed living room, armchair type of being of Islam, and a living room, armchair type of tasawwuf. And we don't realize that, you know, saying the hakikat of dunya and that the dunya is a abode of delusion. These are just empty words that we say. It's only when we go and we see the darkness of the dunya, the despair of the dunya, the hurt that exists in the dunya, the disappointment that exists in the dunya, the injustice that exists in the dunya. When we go and see that, then our heart will yearn for Allah subhanahu wa will yearn for His tifa, His attribute of being the just one and the wise one, we will yearn for Akhirah. 
then we will really feel a dunya usidin al-mu'min. Like Sayyidina Rasulullah said that this life of this world is just a prison for the believer. And we are living lives of such comfort that we can say these words that dunya is bad and ghafla is bad, but we haven't put ourselves in that situation or we haven't put ourselves in those circumstances where our heart would be screaming that the dunya is bad and our heart would be screaming that ghafla is bad. And so this love that the awliyaullah used to have, it would shake them. It would move them. Their love for the refugee, their love for the oppressed, the love for the needy, the love for the widow, the love for the orphan, the love for the victim, it would would not just be, it would motivate them, yes, to pray on their musallah and make dua, but it would motivate them to leave their homes, to leave their comforts, to leave their families, and to seek out these brokenhearted, and to bring comfort to them, to seek out the weak and oppressed, and to be gentle and caring and merciful towards them. It would motivate them to seek out the victims, and to try to soothe them, to try to guide them, to try to uplift them. And this was, maybe, maybe this is an unwritten story of the history of this ummah, how much the awliyaullah did whether it was in the field of dawah or the field of jihad or in this field of comforting the brokenhearted, it was always the awliyaullah, the mashayikh, and the true salihin, salakin who were at the foremost of these efforts. And now we have neither the tahajjud of the awliyah, nor do we have the zikr and taqwa of the awliyah, and nor do we have the dawah of the awliyah, nor do we have the jihad of the awliyah, and nor do we have the kindness and charity of the awliyaullah. It is a strange uh, thing that this ummah has lost, a wonderful thing that this ummah has lost. And this is why, you know, when Sayyidina Rasulullah said, that a person will be on the deen of whomsoever they choose to make their intimate companion. So these awliyaullah would leave their homes and they would intimately become the associates and fellows and companions of the oppressed and the needy. And then the deen that was in the heart of these awliyah transferred into the hearts of these victims and brokenhearted and oppressed. And that is what gave them comfort. That not that I got the dunya, not that the awliyaullah were running massive relief and humanitarian organizations providing financial aid, no. But when they got this nisbat of khullat, they became the khalil of these awliyaullah, and the deen that was in the hearts of these awliya came into their heart, and when the deen of the awliya comes into their heart, then the poor no longer bothered by their poverty, the victim can forget the injustices done to them, the weak become strong, the orphan and the widow forget their worldly difficulties because their heart would get filled with such a nur and such a deen and such a love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and such a yearning and love for akhirah that then the hal and the, the spiritual state and true condition of their heart was that they felt this dunya was nothing and this dunya was trifling. And when a person views that the dunya is nothing and trifling, then the trials and tests and tribulations Indeed, the horrors 
and tragedies of this dunya appear also trifling to them. And that is how the awliyaullah used to bring this comfort to people, by putting the nur of wilai into their heart. And this is almost finished. We don't have that tradition anymore. We don't have that sharing anymore. And this is why our Messiah, this was their homework, that they were merciful to the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were kind and generous and compassionate to the slaves and servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were, had such nice manners and they were so easy to approach and they were soft and gentle in their temperament and they used to attract people towards them. They weren't standoffish or coarse or callous or difficult to approach. They were traveling beacons of light and nur. And just like this is what Sayyidina said, that Allah SWT will be merciful to those of his slaves who are merciful to others. And those who show no mercy will be shown no mercy. And they were literally walking mercy of Allah SWT on this earth. Just like Sayyidina Rasulullah SAW was rahmatullil alameen, the Prophet was sent as a mercy unto the world and the universe. These only Allah, they were the true warata, warateen, they were the legatees and heirs of the Prophet and one of the things they inherited from him was that being a source of mercy for the world. Now, strictly only Sayyidina Rasulullah is rahmatullil alameen, but the ulama of warata that the scholars to be the heirs of the Prophet ﷺ in every sense and it's the awliya who were the most noble heirs of his being rahmatan alameen and we are so few of us in this path of tasawwur for so many years who can say we even have been a rahmah rahmatan lil ummah or even rahmatan lil mahalla even that we were a mercy to our own neighborhood or mercy to our own family or mercy to our own associates, our own affiliates, our own circles, let alone that we could say that we were mercy to the Ummah, and let alone that we could say that we were mercy to the world, and let alone that we could be anywhere near the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, who was Rahmatan Lil Alameen, who was a mercy unto all the world. But this is who the only Allah were. They had this mercy. And this is Sayyidina Rasulullah also said in the hadith that a believer, a mu'min, is friendly, smiling, and easy to approach. And then the Prophet continued to say that there is no good in any believer who is neither friendly and smiling, nor are they easy to approach. They were very open and lovely and smiling people. They used to seek out the ignorant and teach them. Our ulama today always trying to seek out the skilled. We want to get the most learned and the most educated and the most talented. But the awliya Allah, they used to go and teach the ignorant and the least skilled and the least talented and the least qualified. Hmm? Allah Allah, Mashaikh, they used to create ulama from people who were ignorant and unlettered. Then they used to go and guide those who had gone astray, who had left the path of deen, who had left seeking Allah's pleasure, who had left the teachings of love for Allah's 
This was their, also part of their kindness and mercy for the Ummah, was their role of Dawah and Hidayah. That they would go out and seek those who were astray. And they weren't doing it to create any jamaat or to increase any or any vanity or conceit or self-love or self-praise. They would call this of the love purely and exclusively, sincerely, truly for the sake of Allah's pleasure. How few of us are there like that? How few of us are like that? We are all trying to build our own institute and our own group and our own numbers and our own affiliations and our own associations. These were what they call selfless, hmm? selfless people, selfless. And it's that, that's when Allah Ta'ala puts barakah. Allah Ta'ala enables these awliyaullah to transform, not just the ummah, transform humanity. Transform humanity. Millions and millions of Hindus becoming Muslim. Entire regions becoming Muslim. Entire ethnicities becoming Muslim. Entire cities, towns, villages becoming Muslim. Because they were selfless. Because these awliyaullah who visited these communities and came to them as a mercy and brought the teachings of Imam, they were selfless. Even, now with the law, some of our organizations today, even when they do relief and humanitarian work, is entirely selfless. They're just trying to continue as an organization, They're trying to propagate their own work. They're trying to sustain their own selves and budgets and salaries by doing more work. It gets caught up in the numbers. But these awliyaullah were selfless. <laughs> they really, it's, this is why, you know, only those who really possess this nur in their heart and practice the deen with taqwa and sunnah and zikr can they really make that true nasiha. I'm not one of them and many of us have reached that level, right? But the attribute of the great awliyaullah, great awliyaullah, that they had this nur, that they were so selfless, and they were able to guide millions. Today, the best of us, we can guide dozens or hundreds. And these were people who, whose lives and teachings and words and students and institutions that they left behind have been able to guide millions. Like Shaykh Malana Muhammad Ilyas, he was completely selfless. With that level of fikr and concern, we can say the words. Very few people have that in their hearts. Very few people have that in their hearts. So it's not just something just for the awliyaullah or for the people on the path of Peskin to Sowa for Fristalakin. But overall, across the Allah, all of us, all Mu'mineen, have to become more. We have to become more and more sources of kindness and charity and comfort to others. To comfort the brokenhearted, to seek the brokenhearted, to find them, to meet them, to listen to them, to sit with them, to comfort them, to fight poverty, to counter injustice and oppression, to help the needy, to help the weak. This is so many hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam on these topics. But it is something, it's like a sunnah that we have neglected. 
that he had ignored almost as if we're in denial. We should be feeling that pain. And we are so busy in our own lives, in our own gatherings, in our own dinners, in our own everything. And absolutely oblivious to what the Muslims are feeling in Syria or Central African Republic or other things. This doesn't mean mere slogans to rile a person up. It's about feelings. Even if a person could feel the pain, then yes, if they make the law, the laws would have an effect. But how will our du'as have an effect when our heart isn't feeling that pain? When our heart isn't feeling that pain. And when we're not actively doing the teachings of deen, which we're supposed to relieve, provide relief to those in hardship. We're supposed to go out and actively, dynamically try to fulfill the needs of those who are in need. Just like we are supposed to go out and try to guide the sinner away from sinning, to remind the forgetful, Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these things are part of the teachings of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu I remember one incredible hadith, and although it's something that I'm sure many people may even have known since childhood, we learned it in our adulthood, and even the words the Prophet used to explain are so simple and sweet, but it's so profound that on the day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask a person that I was thirsty and you didn't bring me water, I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And the person will be stunned and say, Ya Allah, Ya Dikrim, how could you ever feel hunger or thirst? And then Allah Santa will say, no, but when the, your fellow members of your Ummah were hungry, if you had fed them, it would have been as if you were feeding me, Allah Akbar. And they were needy, and they were thirsty, if you had fulfilled their needs, and grant them water, it would been as if you were fulfilling me. How much more could Allah Taala inspire the Prophet to explain to us this feeling of compassion? How many of us will be asked this question on this very question on the Day of Judgment? And is this not about headlines? This has been going on for a long time. Before Syria, there was Palestine. Before Palestine, there was some other place been going on for a long time. So our tradition of Tasawwuf has to live up to this challenge and live up to this legacy and to live up to the history of our great Awliyaullah and our great Mashaykh. And this is why Sayyidina Sussami also said that Allah Taala will grant ease to that believer who eases the hardship of another believer. And Allah sponsor will relieve one of their hardships on the day of judgment from that person who relieves their fellow believer from a hardship in this world. And the Prophet said that that believer who fulfills the need of their fellow believer, then Allah sponsor will fulfill their needs. And as long as that person assists their fellow believer, Allah Sponsor will assist that servant of his. So many hadith on this topic. So many hadith on compassion, kindness, and charity. Even so much that say not so some even things that would seem to be so small, small gestures 
that one would imagine would be trivial. But no, they have such great, great, Allah Ta'ala has such a great regard for these small gestures. For example, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that Imatatul Adhan, Imatatul Adha, to remove something that uh, causes harm from the path of the believers is actually part of... Today. In fact, indeed, although this is going beyond the scope of the hadith, this particular hadith, but generally even to remove all of the harm and hardship that any humanity is facing today. And then Sayyidina another hadith, he even explained this further. And the Prophet said that I saw a person traveling and walking about in Jannah. Because, why? Because a single because they removed a single branch which had thorns on it. A single thorny branch. They removed it from the path and the walkway of the believers. So, Jannah being given. Or like Sayyidina taught us that we should show compassion to the orphan by such a small gesture as simply stroking their hair. How much does Allah Ta'ala Honor this small gesture, the Prophet said that Allah Allah will record for every single strand of hair that that person hand strokes, such as that person will get ten good deeds. Now on every person, there are probably a few hundred strands of hair, let's say maybe three hundred. Then a person gets ten good deeds, three thousand good deeds reward written for one deed, which is not even a deed that requires any monetary sacrifice, doesn't require zakat, tabka, doesn't require any physical movement, raku and sujood, doesn't require any effort really, hardly, smallest of gestures to simply place one's hand and stroke the hair of an orphan. Ten good deeds for every year. Imagine something like three thousand good deeds for this one good deed. And this is again, this good deed can be done by whom? We all know this. Many of us know this hadith from before. But we don't do it. Strange how many people have ever heard this hadith in their life and then look what percentage of them have actually stroked an orphan's head ever. And then when there's such terrible situations on earth, when there's so many orphans together, refugee camps teeming with children. You can live, you know, half an hour away from the refugee camp in a nice hotel, so you don't have to be in any discomfort. You can just go nine to five, and you can just spend all day just stroking the heads of orphans. <laughs> 
even that you can do. And smiling, like Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, a smile is a charity. And Allah Ta'ala loves when the believers smile upon others. A kind word is a charity. You can simply sit and play with those children and then go back to your hotel and eat all the food and live in the comfortable room. Even this level of relief work we're not able to do. And, and this is, you know, these Allah, they used to bring joy to the hearts of other believers. To be able to bring a person, to bring joy to a person's heart, and that heart has known nothing but sadness and grief and despair for the past months of its life. That is the work of the Allah. That was their, one of their incredible works and tasks. And then they would always smile at the people they met. They would always be friendly. They would always speak kindly and nobly and well to them. They would practice the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu that is such an ahem, uh, such an important sunnah. But Allah Subhanahu wa mentioned that sunnah in Quran. And Allah Subhanahu wa told Sayyidina to lower your wing to the believers. Means be extra gracious and gentle and soft and kind with the mu'mineen. And those all Allah, they had this sunnah in them. They would lower their wing of humility and compassion to the believers. Then even, so we are mentioning small gestures, so Sayyidina taught us that when two believers meet and shake hands, that the one who initiates the handshake, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divides 100 verses between the two of them. The one who initiated the handshake will get 99 of those mercies. If a person was to travel to meet the poverty-ridden or the war-stricken or the refugee-driven believers and just shake their hands, just smile upon them, say one or two kind words, stroke the head of the orphans, imagine how happy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be with such a person. So we have to be a source of joy and delight for other believers. And this mutual misbut, this mutual love, this mutual affection, this is the real feeling of Iman. Again, like the Prophet Sun said, that this is the feeling of the believers. They're like what they feel is that they're one desert, one body. And if any one part of it feels ill or affected or afflicted, the rest of it is equally affected. The rest of it is equally affected. At the very least, if we could not bring joy to the hearts of others, at the very least, we could have made ourselves in such a way that we didn't hurt the heart of others, we didn't break the heart of others, we didn't disappoint others, we didn't betray others, we weren't disloyal to others, we weren't negligent of others, we weren't trying to sideline others. At least we could have done that. And even that we've been unable to do. Who, which one of us can say that in the entire past, entire one year, I have not hurt anyone, or let anyone down, or betrayed anyone, or been a source of disappointment to anyone, or I never misspoke with anyone, I never mistreated anyone, even that we can't say. We're so far from the real, true heritage and haqiqah, the reality of the Ahl al 
أنا أهل التقوى أنا أهل الذكر أنا أهل التزكية We should make a lot of dua for ourselves that may Allah Subhanahu fix us and may He help us and may He guide us and may He enable us to have that feeling of kindness, charity and compassion in which we also are able to help others and guide others and be a mercy for others and be soft to others and we should beg Allah Subhanahu to somehow take some khidmat of this Allah from us so that we can become a joy for others, that we can reconcile between others, that we can mend the broken hearts of others, that we can be soft and sensitive and caring with others. And at the very least, we should beg Allah subhanahu we can never, never be a source of hurt for anyone else. Let me never be a source of disappointment to anyone else. Let me never be a source, let me never let down anyone else. So this is, a very important part of the soul of Tazkiyah. Indeed, indeed, in other words, it's an important part of our entire deen. And if we can perhaps develop in this aspect of our deen, then Allah Subhanahu may give us that fa and that zikr. Yisuzar and Mashaikh often say in, in Urdu, khidmat that when a person becomes a person of khidmah, a person of service, and a great awliyaullah, the greatest khuddam of the ummah after Nabi Yaqreen Sassam and the Sahaba and they kept this legacy of khidmah and so they say in order that the person who does khidmah who does, is of service to Allah SWT then that person gets nothing other than Allah SWT like Allah SWT said in Quran inna Allah that Allah SWT indeed he he Allah SWT is himself always with the believers who have patience and fortitude and perseverance. So just like that, we can have hope that Allah Sallallahu Maiya and Allah Sallallahu special favor and grace and help will be upon each and every one of us whenever we decide to become a source of help for others, a source of comfort for others, and we make ourselves a source of solace for others. May Allah Sallallahu accept this niya from us on this night. May He take some khidmat from us. May He accept us for khidmat of deen, khidmat of this ummah, خدمت الإنسان خدمت المخلوق وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين علم الدعاء سبحان ربنا رحمة الله هم سنينا سيرنا محمد وعلى آل سيرنا محمد وبارك وسلم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تكفرنا وتحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين ربك فير وارحم وأنت خير الرحمين ربي ربك ربي يويك سنينك سيرنس وسلايرس you know, we've been unable to help ourselves. We've been unable to even help others. You know, we want you to fix us, Ya Allah. Guide us, Ya Allah. Protect us, Ya Allah. Make us in such a way, Ya Rabbi Kareem, that we are a source of joy for others, a source of comfort for others. We too want to comfort the brokenhearted. We too want to help the poor. We too want to guide the oppressed. We too want to fulfill the needs of those who are needy. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we have been so negligent. We've been so lazy. We've become hard-hearted. We've been lost in our own comforts and routines. We want to make tawbah of this on this night. You know, accept us for the sunnah kindness of the Prophet Sallallahu the sunnah empathy of the Prophet Sallallahu the sunnah compassion of the Nabi Yaqreen Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
will the same love, concern, compassion he had for Ummah, will put the same love, concern, compassion in our heart. The same love, concern, compassion he had for all of humanity, put that same love, concern, compassion in our heart. And we ask that before we pass away from this world, and before we are made and called to stand in front of you, that yeah, you put this feeling of empathy in our heart, take the khidmat of Ummah from our life, accept our life as a life of khidmah, accept our families for khidmah, accept our children for khidmah, accept our descendants and our nasl for khidmah, Ya Allah, you make dua for all the Muslimin and Muta'asireen across this Ummah, and let's send your special mercy on their heart, send the nur in them, Ya Allah, guide them when they are astray, protect them when they are threatened, Ya Rabbi Kareem, for each and every one of their needs, protect them from every zulm and oppression, from every poverty and drought, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Rabbana